Jonathan's mum, Hazel. I know that she watches online and she says, makes a lot of comments to Jonathan. Um, so happy Mother's Day to you, Hazel. And I promise you, we are looking after your son and he's doing a great job. And yes, he's smiling at the moment. Um, some of you may find this surprising, but I've hardly ever preached on uh, Mother's Day because um, in every church I've been involved in, I've always had a mother come up and share a testimony or share a sermon or, you know, do something like that. And I've often thought, though, if I ever got a chance to preach on Mother's Day, I had a favourite Bible story in mind that I would love to look at or preach on. It's a story most of us would all know. It's a story about wisdom and it's also a story about mothers. What is the story? Well, it comes from the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. But rather than read it today, I thought I would show it. Thank you. I'd like to thank Mark um, for finding... I found the video, but it was very low quality, and I said this is the kind I wanted. I'm not sure if you like that kind of stuff. I love the visual Bible. I have the visual Bible in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John... Acts, I also have it um, in some of the Old Testament books and um, I used to show a lot of it when I was in Queensland. I'm a visual learner and, I, and I, I like that kind of thing. Most of you would know that this Bible narrative comes from 1 Kings chapter 3. As I said, I remember um, when I first learned or heard this passage, it's something that grabbed me straight away. I think I was only a teenager, but it's a story that has stuck with me forever. I was amazed at the creativity of the situation. I remember thinking it's readings like this that help me know for real that there is a God and that the Bible is truth. Why do I say that? Well, because I honestly believe there would be no Hollywood producer that could ever come up with a story like that. It doesn't matter how long they thought about it. When I read stories like this in Scripture, I truly believe that only God can do something like that. I guess in a way that's why it stuck with me and that's why I've always thought, if I ever got a chance, I'd love to preach on it. Didn't have any idea of what I'd say or what I'd preach on. I just knew that I would love the opportunity to speak on this passage. Well, today being Mother's Day, I see is that day. You know, it seems that most times when we think of this story, we focus on the wisdom that Solomon showed in handling the situation that was before him. And I guess that's probably so true. The problem these mothers presented to Solomon was a difficult one for him. Both claimed that the child was theirs. There was no objective way in identifying the baby, so real wisdom was needed to determine the correct mother. That's why, yes, these verses do portray and show the great lesson of wisdom that Solomon had. However, as I said, these verses don't only show or reveal something to us about wisdom, they also reveal and show something to us about mothers. So today's sermon is a little bit different than what I normally do and may be even a different kind of a sermon than what you're used to listening to. But I ask if you give me some grace and understanding today as because what I'm looking at today from this passage, what are some truths about motherhood that we see in this passage? Well, it's interesting, Melissa, when I asked you that question, what would you tell your 19-year-old self? You said, mothers aren't perfect. That is my first point here. Mothers are not perfect. 
When we look around, we can see mothers come from all different walks of life. Some come from good backgrounds, others from not so good backgrounds. Some are old, some are young, some are single, some are married, some are divorced, some are widowed. But one thing all mothers have in common is none of them are perfect. As I've said before, I've never preached on Mother's Day, but I've sat and listened to a lot of mothers speak on Mother's Day. And you know the ones I don't like is when a mother gets up and tells about how good she is or all the great things she's done as a mother because it's like she paints a picture of a perfect mother. Not being a mother, I can't be guaranteed, but I think when people preach on the perfect mother, does that leave other mothers discouraged? Because they know they cannot possibly be the perfect mother. The two mothers in this story are not even close to being perfect. The two mothers who came before the king come from questionable characters. They are harlots or prostitutes. We find one mother who was cruel, selfish, heartless and a liar. During the night, she had laid on a newborn child and it died. So she took her dead child and replaced it with her roommate's living child, hoping that she wouldn't be noticed. This was thoughtless, cruel, selfish thing to do. This definitely isn't the actions of a good person. When you try and think of the perfect mother, I can tell you she's never been born or she's never existed. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has had a perfect mother and nobody is a perfect mother. The only mothers that come close to being perfect are the ones that are invented. What am I talking about? TV mums. I'm not sure about you, but I remember when I used to watch shows. I watched shows like Happy Days and The Cosby Show and Family Ties and all that. And I used to think, man, all these mums are close to being perfect. And I used to think, oh, I wish they, my mum was more like that. But they're not real. I can remember seeing an interview with the Cuttinghams, Tom Bosley, and I forget the mum who played his wife. I just knew her as Mrs C. And they said to him, you must be really good parents. And they said, no, we're not. They said, on the show, we're really good parents because they said it is so easy to be a good parent on that show because someone writes the lines that we say to our kids and, more importantly, someone writes the lines that our kids say back to us. They said, anyone can be a good parent in that situation. Scripted parenting is easy, they said, but real-life parenting is not. You may think that focusing on the fact that mothers aren't perfect is a silly point to be preaching on Mother's Day. But I think, what a great day to do it. For all the mothers out there, I want you to know this today. Mothers aren't perfect. I don't say that to drag you down. I say that to build you up. You know, I have seen how our society can look at kids' behaviour and automatically judge the parents. I've seen this in the school I've worked in. I've seen it in churches I've worked in. I've seen it in communities that I've lived in. I've heard people say, ah, they are those kind of kids. Don't go over there because they're those kind of kids. Do you know what those kind of kids have? Those kind of mothers. Have you ever heard that term? They are that kind of mother. 
or they're those kind of mothers. She's one of those mothers. Because of your children's actions, have you been called one of those mothers? Well, mums, you're not expected to be perfect. You will make mistakes. I'm not sure what pressure you put on yourself about being a mum, but put this pressure on yourself. Nobody is the perfect mother. Nobody. I'm not sure what pressure you put on your own mums, but always remember, nobody has had a perfect mother. Not one, unless they're on TV. I hope that knowing mothers aren't perfect will help you in taking off some of the pressures you may put on yourself and perhaps take some pressures off of how you see your own mother. Your mum is not the perfect mum, and guess what? You're not the perfect child. So one of the first things we understand from this story is mums aren't perfect. Now, just before you get depressed, this passage shows us some wonderful qualities mothers do have. These qualities are stronger in mums than dads. Well, in my life, anyway. Number one. Mothers know their children. Here you have two mothers, and one mother swaps babies in the middle of the night. What I find interesting, as soon as the second mother woke up, she immediately knew the baby wasn't hers. Why do I find it interesting? Because this baby was a newborn. It wasn't six months old. It was actually a newborn. Let me speak as a man. When it comes to newborn babies, for me as a bloke, they're like twins. They all look the same. You may be different guys. Do you know, as I said, my daughter had a baby this week. She sent us a photo. I sent that photo to our other daughter, Zoe. And she said, wow, she looks a bit like Samantha, but I guess they had all, but all newborn babies look the same anyway, don't they? I have friends that have put photos of newborn babies on Facebook. They all look the same. You know, I even remember when my children were born, when Samantha and Zoe were born, they were placed in a nursery at the hospital sometimes to give Michelle rest. I remember the times Michelle said, would you go and get Samantha or Zoe? I remember when I had to go and walk in that room, man, that was scary. I would see all these babies lying there, all wrapped up in these cribs. Honestly, it was hard to tell them apart. I was scared of grabbing the wrong baby. I would sometimes have to look at the names on those clear plastic cribs to make sure I had the right baby. That mother in the video said, I would know my child from a thousand babies. Well, mothers do that. They know their children even at birth. They know the way they look the way they smell, and the way they sound. I remember when um, Samantha was born, we were in the hospital, and we used to have these parent groups, help parent groups for first-time parents. And I think we were in a little room, and there would be about eight couples with me and Michelle and probably seven other couples, but the room was really small, and so all the babies would be outside. And anyway, the babies would start to cry. And one of the mothers would say, oh, that's mine. And us men would just look at each other, you know, like. And another baby would cry. And I'd look at Michelle and say, is that Samantha? And she'd say, no, it's not. And I'd think, how the heck does she know that? Because she's a mum. Mum knows their children. 
their babies so much greater than dads. Mothers know their children. You can't fool a mother. There's a special bond between a mother and her child that lasts forever. Us fathers are gullible, we're easily fooled and sometimes stupid. I speak from experience. But you can't fool a mother, or at least I couldn't fool mine anyway. I am sure most of your mums would be like mine. My mum's not a Christian, but she had a special gift from God. She knew when I was lying. She knew when I was trying to hide something from her. She knew when I was sick. She knew when I was afraid. And she knew when I was worried. Mothers know their children. Mothers know these things because they know their children intimately. They have a sixth sense, eyes in the back of their head, a special gift from God. This woman's child was only a few days old, but the mother knew her child. The children were so young and so similar in appearance that it could have only been a mother that could tell them apart. Mothers aren't perfect, but mothers definitely know their children. The next point I get from this is mothers will sacrifice. Solomon is presented with a seemingly unresolvable dispute. Both are claiming the living child is theirs. I remember I used to watch Hey Hate Saturday and there was a game called Whose Is It? And what happened was they would bring in an object and they would have four people speak on this object claiming it was theirs. And the person to win a prize had to guess which person was telling the truth. Well, that's what Solomon was most faced with here. Solomon had to try and figure out who was telling the truth in claiming this child and who wasn't. From where Solomon sat, he really wouldn't have had any clue at who was telling the truth. Neither of them had husbands to help identify the baby. Not that I don't think it would be any good anyway. He'd probably say, it looks like my kid. Sadly, there was no witnesses. Sadly, there was no CSI Jerusalem to run DNA tests. Solomon had that issue before him. So Solomon invents a serious plan to draw out the truth. His solution, he calls for a sword to have the baby cut in two and divided between them. This confronts the two mothers with a test. What Solomon did was change the problem from the claim of motherhood of the baby to claim the baby's life itself. May seem a bit drastic, but Solomon was confident that the true mother would show her maternal emotions. Her concern for the safety of her child would surface and identify her. He believed the real mother would care enough about the welfare of her child and want to keep him alive at all cost. He thought the real mother would rather see another mother raise that child rather than see the child splitting two. Incredible. Solomon recognised that in order to judge fairly, there was one characteristic that the true mother would show. The characteristic that the true mother would show would be sacrifice. Solomon knew he could count on the self-sacrificing love of the true mother. He knew that having a child doesn't make one a real mother any more than having a piano makes one a musician. But he knew the living mother with the living child would come forward. And yes, it worked. Once that sword came out, the real mother forgot about the dispute. All the real mother was concerned about was the life of her child. 
so much so she was willing to sacrifice her relationship with her child just to keep the child safe. Mothers will sacrifice for their children. Do you know, most of the time, we don't realise the sacrifices our mothers make. Do you know why? Because they never tell you. If you have ever found out about sacrifices your mother makes, it's usually years later in life. Well, I know this is true for me. I remember I was talking to my mum once and I was married and in my 30s or 35 and I asked her what was one of the hardest times in her life and she said the hardest time in her life was when she walked out on my dad and left us three boys. She said she couldn't take us with her because of her financial situation. Things were very different in the early 70s. She told me once she left, she didn't eat for three days. And then she found two Coke bottles, which she took and she tapped. And she got 10 cents. And she said, I went and bought, I went and bought 10 cents worth of Fritz. She also told me she lived in her car in that time for three weeks. I was quite shocked to hear this. Because I told her, I remember that time that she left, but I remember it very differently. I remember her taking us out. I remember going to parks, to movies, out to milk bars for milkshakes. And I said, Mum, I also remember coming to a house that you lived in behind the Jubilee Oval. And in this room, she had this big, huge four-poster bed. Well, here we were 30 years later, and she told me the truth about what I was seeing. She said, Garth, she said, I had to borrow money from my friends. She said, I knew that dad, your dad wouldn't let me take you if he knew the poverty I was living in. And so she would borrow money and then tap the bottles to help pay back her friends. She knew the friend that lived behind the Jubilee Oval and she asked, could I clean your house to bring my kids here to, say, to make it seem that I lived here? So yes, she did. My mum paid a price. My mum sacrificed. She told me that everything she did in that time to help us was at her own expense. She could have had a better life back then. She could have had a new start, but she sacrificed so she could see her three sons. As I said, I never knew any of this. Why not? She'd never mentioned it in 30 odd years. Why not? Why didn't she hold this over me and my brothers? Why didn't she say things to me and my brothers like, look at all I've done for you. How dare you speak to me like that, Garth? Well, after all the sacrifice I made back when we were in Broken Hill. I mean, I know that's what a lot of us dads would say to our kids. But mum didn't and never did. The reason my mum sacrificed and never said anything about her sacrifice, she probably didn't see it as something as special. She probably just saw it as something mothers do. A mother will sacrifice for her children. Mothers often buy the best things they can afford for their children, even if it means going out with them, missing out themselves. Mothers take children to sport events, school events, social events, even if it means taking up most of their day that they could be spending on themselves. Mothers encourage and help their kids with dozens of other activities even if it means more work for them. Mothers are sacrificial people. I told my girls, we, one time we were looking at photos when they were growing up and they were looking at birthday parties 
And they said, Dad, you're not in any of our birthday parties. Where are you? And I said, oh, I was at work. And I said, it was your mum that did all the work. Your mum was the one that ran all your parties and everything like that. Mums will sacrifice. As you sit here this morning, can any of you think of anything that you've done or could do that would make your mother not love you? Yes, you may have done things to anger her. You may irritate her, but it doesn't change their love for us. I don't believe there is anything a child can do or become to destroy a mother's love. Mums just love us for who we are. A mother's love is so special. I remember when I was a butcher, I had a lady work for me. She was old now, but she had nine children. And she used to talk of how she went shopping out somewhere. And she said she would make all her children, nine of them, hold hands and keep in single file. And she also told me, she said, if ever one of the children got broken away or lost or got separated, her advice was always look for someone pushing a stroller and ask for help. She said, the reason I told my kid that is because there is safety in a mother's love. As I said at the beginning of this sermon, we have mums that come from all walks of life. Do you know I know of mums that have been poor people, rich people, single mums, alcoholics, on drugs, in prison. I've known them all. Yet nearly all these mums I know have a love for their children regardless of their circumstances. And none of them are those kind of mothers. Take this woman in this story. She was destined for a hard life after Solomon gave her child back. She was a single mum and she was a prostitute. She probably didn't know who the father was, but that didn't matter. That didn't stop her from her actions. She loved her child and sacrificed herself for her child, no matter what condition she was facing. Solomon's words of cutting the baby in half pierced the heart of the true mother. Her words revealed her compassion. The real mother was willing to lose her child in order to let it live. True motherhood cares more about the welfare of the child than mere justice. So mothers aren't perfect. Mothers know their children and mothers will sacrifice. But there's one more thing I see. Mothers have access to the king. For me, this was one of the first things that attracted me to this story. Here we have two prostitutes, two women who sell their body for sex, two women who are the lowest of lows, two women who, because of their social status and poverty, no one would have given them the time of day, two women who most people wouldn't have even cared about if they ever faced a problem. Yet as low and as bad as these two mothers are, Here they stand before the most important person in the land. Here they stand before the king. In this room, they're a royal audience. Thankfully, Solomon was like his father David. Both David and Solomon gave the common people access to the king. Both of them showed they cared for the lowest of people. Both of them defended the poor. Both of them helped the outcast, the disadvantaged. What a great picture. King Solomon took time to deal with these two prostitute mothers. They certainly didn't deserve any special time before the busy king, but they got it. Solomon's willingness to hear their case shows his concern for them. 
I've said many times when you read the Bible, look for Jesus on every page. Well, I truly believe we can see Jesus in Solomon because Luke 15 tells us that Jesus welcomes publicans and sinners. You know, as you read, watch or listen to this story, I hope all of us can see and identify with these mothers. All throughout our life, we, like these mothers, have stood undeservedly before the King of Kings. And what reception do we get? We are welcomed into his presence. We have lived a life of sin, yet we are welcomed by the King to come and talk, to come and share, to come and be heard. We are welcomed. Let me ask you a question. How long do you think it took for this mother to forget about this day? How long would it have been before her to stop talking about it? Or how long do you think it was before she wasn't thankful for what happened anymore and just took it for granted, you know, like that was then, this is now. I know I have my own child, but, you know, would have happened anyway. Even without Solomon's help, I guess God would have worked it all out. Or how long do you think it was before she got sick of people telling her about that day, telling her how happy she was at the end of it, or the change that it made? I can't be sure, but I can't help to think the answer to all of those questions would be never. This experience before the king would have changed her forever. It would have been something that she would have never forgotten, never taken for granted, never got sick of hearing about, and never stopped talking about. Well, we are exactly the same. When we accept and acknowledge what Jesus has done, we have access to the King. Then we discover Jesus has done so much more than just welcomed and listened to our plea. Jesus has done more than just solve our problems. He has forgiven our sins and he's changed our lives forever, just like Solomon did for that mother. And I hope and pray with all earnest for myself and for you too that this is something that we never forget about. Never, ever forget about. And I also hope and pray that it's something that I never take for granted. I hope that what, when you stood before the king on that day and received forgiveness for your sins, I hope it's something that never loses the wow factor. What's the wow factor? Wow, I'm a child of God. I hope it's something that you never get sick of hearing about. My daughter goes to a church of Christ uh, in Chinchilla and she's struggling there because she says, Dad, the pastor only ever preaches on the gospel. Every week he preaches the gospel. I've had enough. I said to her, Zoe, don't ever, ever, ever get sick of hearing the gospel and never stop talking about it. Never stop talking about the day when, they, when you stood before the king and received it. It saddens me today that the only thing that some people know about Jesus is his name is a swear word that you use when you hit him with hammer. But it also saddens me to see people who know Jesus and what he's done for them and say, yeah, I know he's done that, or they don't need him, or he's irrelevant today, or they're too bad. Let me tell you, regardless of how bad or good you think you are, 
regardless of how bad or good your life is, regardless of your background, regardless of how low or downtrodden you think you are, regardless of how anyone else in your family or in society may see you, Jesus can and Jesus will have an impact on your life when you come to him. When we feel abused, cheated, mistreated, when life seems unfair, we are just like these prostitutes. We have an advocate, a mediator. We have one that pleads our case, one greater than Solomon. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. If that mother was here today and she spoke about that day, do you think she'd do it with a smile, a frown, excitement? Do you think there'd be bits and pieces of that day that she wouldn't remember? I don't think so. That day changed her life. That day she stood before the king, she received a pardon, and she received the life of her child back. That day changed her forever. Every one of us have been there. Every one of us have done it. Have stood before the Lord Jesus Christ, wretched sinners, yet we have been welcomed. We have been received. We have been given exactly the same life-changing event that that mother received on that day. And I hope that is something that we never will take for granted, that we never forget, that we never get sick of hearing about and never stop talking about. So today we've learned about a mother's love. Well, can I leave you with a father's love? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you know him as Lord and Saviour of law life? Do you know what it is to stand before the king broken and undeserving, not really meant to be there, yet receiving nothing but love, grace and forgiveness? If not, then on this Mother's Day, come before the king, let him welcome and make incredible changes in your life and then see if you ever forget it. May God bless you.